Well, good morning, everybody. Good day, whatever time of the day is that you're listening to this. Uh, what is happening in Israel? What is happening in Palestine? What does it have to do with religion? What can we learn from it? These are just a few questions directing today's episode. Uh, for those of you who just joined us, this is the Fishing for Men with Mac podcast where I discuss worldviews and its related topics. If you have a heart for truth and faith and the meaning of life, I'm sure some of the things said in this podcast will be valuable to you. Um, I saw yesterday the podcast has reached about 3,742 downloads uh, on Podbean. Thank you to everybody for listening and, and broadening your, your understanding of the various faith issues of life. This is episode 54 and uh, today we're talking about God in Palestine versus Israel. Now, I don't know if you have been watching the news, but there is a war going on in the Middle East. Now, when I was younger, I didn't really care about the news. I don't know if you were like me. I despised it when my parents put on the news. If there, if there weren't any Tom and Jerry's on the TV, then it was dead boring. Now, now and then I would hear as a kid, I would, I would hear that there's some war somewhere in the world. And I, I didn't really think much of it, but I haven't really thought about it. Because, you know, there's never been a bomb drop next to my house. I've always known that the Middle East is sort of a place of war, you know, when you when you hear the word Baghdad, I mean, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Are you thinking like a tropical paradise, a nice tropical beach? No, we don't, we don't think about that. We think about war and bombs and desert and dead people. Why? Um, why do we think like that? Um, well, because that's the way that Baghdad is. But now, since I've grown into an adult, the news of war has become quite sensitive to me. It's become sensitive because I really actually find it interesting, but also because it's dangerous. War isn't a joke. Numerous countries today possess nuclear warheads. Uh, if there was going to be a third world war, I know you've spoken about this before, thought about it probably, things would escalate quite dramatically if nuclear warheads are going to be used by loony people like uh, Mr. as Trump calls him Mr. Rocket Man from North Korea um, when nuclear warheads are released uh, the safest place on the planet to live would be Antarctica I think that we will probably be quite safe here in South Africa nobody cares really about South Africa I don't even know if we've got nuclear warheads um, uh, but nuclear war would really mess the world up with firestorms and there would be a nuclear winter, widespread radiation sickness, um, the electromagnetic fields of the planet would be in, in jeopardy. You know, it would be disastrous. War is scary and it's interesting. But when you hear of war in the Middle East, close to Megiddo, and you remember the prophecy of the great war at the end of time, Revelation chapter 16 verse 16, on the day of Armageddon, you stop to think for a moment. You see, because Megiddo is Armageddon, that's the place where this final battle is supposed to take place. And Megiddo is between Jerusalem and Nazareth, and, that's, and just southwest of Jerusalem is Gaza, and this is the area where there is currently a relentless war raging. And to top it off at the bottom, uh, it is really about two different religions at the bottom of it all. It's Islam and Judaism. That's really what this war is about. So for those of you who have no clue what has been happening the last week, I'm going to give you just a brief summary of what I've seen picked up on news articles. And um, So the Israel Israelis, they live in Israel. And the Palestinians live 
in the Gaza Strip and, and also some other, other places. And the Gaza Strip is primarily occupied by the Palestinians. And they are also often referred to as Arabs. And they are Muslims. And they are basically, uh, that area is run by a terrorist organization called Hamas. Now, these are the type of words, you know, the Gaza Strip and Hamas. You know, you'd hear about this on the news and know, have no idea what it is about. But I hope you've got an, a clear idea of what it is. For those of you who don't watch the news and don't know what's going on. Now, the first time I heard of this new conflict was when I saw a video of Israel's Iron Dome on Facebook or something. I thought, wow, this is amazing. The Palestinians had decided to send rocket bombs randomly towards Israel from the Gaza Strip. But Israel has this super amazing technology in which they send up heat sensing, I think, rocket interceptors. Now, if you haven't seen this, you need to go check this out. It is unbelievable technology. Okay, so they send these rockets. These rockets fly. They launch from the Gaza Strip. But as in midair, as it's in the air, Israel has got this technology that sends up these anti-missile um, missiles that blocks them. And these missiles then explode in the air and never land on the ground and, and kill people. Now, Hamas has already sent over 3,000 rockets to Israel's neighborhoods among the normal people. Um, the, uh, although the Iron Dome is extremely powerful and effective, uh, about 10% of the rockets made it, makes it through. And so these rockets are just aimed at Israel, civilians and all. Uh, the people that live in the Gaza Strip, they want the Israelites dead. They want Jerusalem destroyed and leveled out. Now, apparently this conflict has, has, well, was started recently because of Israeli soldiers that entered the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, early in May, seeking terrorists or something like that. And there's been tensions between the Israelis and the Palestinians in Jerusalem and, and surrounding areas. Now, this mosque, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, is apparently built on the Temple Mount. Now, that's the very place where Solomon's Temple was built. Okay. Now, Hamas sent an ultimatum to Israel that they had to evacuate the Temple by the 10th of May or else they will launch attacks, which they did. And that was the rockets. The Israelis will obviously not remove security from the area because it has been their area of security from 1967. So from, since 1967, the Israelis has provided security for the area and have taken responsibility for the Temple Mount. And now the, the terrorists from Gaza, they're saying, you, you better evacuate that temple area, get out of the, the neighborhoods there, um, otherwise we're going to bomb your cities. And that is what happened. And so the rockets started coming from Gaza and the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, responded with, with amazing strategy and, and quite intense aggression. They've been blowing the place apart. That's what's been on the news the last few days. So what Hamas have done is this. So Hamas is the terrorist organization that's basically leading the Gaza Strip and they're the guys firing the rockets. They have shot their, their, their rockets from and covered from behind civilians, behind their homes, beneath their homes. So what, what these guys have done is they've, they've chosen to, to, to make their, their army bases or, or to, to put their artillery in places where there are children and women and other civilians. At schools, apartment buildings, that's where they would shoot these rockets from. And so what they're doing is they're using the Palestinian civilians as human shields. Okay. So what the IDF has done is they have made sure to drop pamphlets in Gaza. So they would go out, they would drop, drop pamphlets in Gaza so that all the civilians would know, look, we're going to bomb this area, we're going to bomb this building, and um, 
please get out of the way, otherwise you will die. Because they are aiming at these terrorists and their artillery and, and certain homes of these rebel leaders, etc., etc. Um, so sometimes they even phoned the owners of some of the big buildings. They'd phone the owner and say to him, listen, you've got one hour to get all of the people in your building. You've got to get them out of there because we're going to bomb this place. And then you would see on, on video, the Isra Isra Israelis would watch this uh, with from from above probably satellite imagery and they would see that all the people have left the building then they would bomb the building um yeah and they did that so that people could evacuate and so that civilians won't die and then they bombed the living daylights out of all the terrorist hotspots in gaza israel bombed the houses of islamic state leaders bombed the biggest buildings bombed the places that manufacture weapons they even bombed a submarine type vessel that was working with apparently with gps technology that was going to be sent towards uh, some of their oil rigs in the mediterranean sea of course, some civilians have died, and, and that is what the news grabs onto. The news blames Israel for all of these civilian deaths. Um, but we must remember that Hamas rockets shoot randomly at Israeli towns where Israelis live. And Israel only targets the Hamas terrorists and the, uh, the guys actively fighting the war. But Hamas also has another interesting strategy that was flipped by Israel. They've been building an underground city that they call the Metro. And they've been doing this for many years. So they've got these underground tunnels. And the terrorists, they move underground through these tunnels underneath the city. They move weaponry around. They move from one point to another. And so they're busy hiding. And the whole, this, this whole Gaza Strip has been created to be a fortified city aimed just at waging war against Israel. So the, the IDF was, was clever, you know, because what they do is, is that when the Israelites would move on the ground, would move into um, the area, to the Gaza Strip, then all the terrorists would simply move underground into these tunnels and close it up. And the Israeli shoulders, soldiers would only find civilians and they wouldn't find the terrorists. So the IDF made a statement on social media that they are entering Gaza on the ground with foot soldiers. That's now earlier this week. But they never did. But it was a, tr it was a trick because what the terrorists do is that they went, they heard this and then they fled into the tunnels. And then the uh, IDF sent their fighter jets in and they blew the tunnels to pieces. They bombed the living daylights out of those tunnels. Israel has over and over said to Hamas, stop shooting rockets at our nation and our civilians and we will stop destroying Gaza. Because to be honest with you, the Palestinians are seeing their backsides. They are being destroyed. But they keep firing rockets at Israel. Israel is protecting her civilians and her populace. And what the Palestinians have done now is to try and paint a picture that they are the victims Social media is saturated with videos of children who have died of how building owners are on the phone when they're told their buildings will be shot down about how devastated the place is already. Some news stations makes it look like Israel is the terrorist here, but it's not the case at all. Yes, there were political issues taking place in Jerusalem leading up to this, but it was Hamas who first pulled out weapons, who first shot rockets randomly at civilians. Any country in the world would defend itself if another nation shot rockets at it. Now, if some nation shoots rockets at South Africa, at Johannesburg, um, I don't think we'll be able to do anything because I don't even think we've got an army. 
Maybe we can throw rocks back. But if some nation shot rockets at New York or London or Paris or Beijing, the response would have been the same, if not worse. And then you get a mampara. A mampara is a, I don't know what to, to call that in English, but if you live in South Africa, you know what a mampara is. But then you get this, this guy who just doesn't know what he's talking about, Trevor Noah our own South African-American who sits in New York and he makes a broadcast about this whole ordeal and says that Israel is a big brother bullying his little brother and that it is unfair. Uh, a big power destroying a little one. We need to stand up for the Palestinians. This is, in a way, it's child abuse. Uh, let me be honest with you. You need to stick to comedy and stay out of the realm of faith and politics um, because that is not at all the case. If he was a little brother, if Palestine was a little brother, they would not. He would not be shooting uh, rockets and trying to kill the uh, older brother if that was the case. Um, you would be treated totally differently. Um, now, why do I say the Palestinians are wrong? First, because they threw rockets first. In law, in natural law, if you throw the first punch in a street fight, you are guilty of assault. Israel was not attacking Gaza at all. Israel was protecting the COVID and religious safety its own people, uh, of its own people within the borders of its state. And the Muslim population didn't like this. So Israel is acting currently in self-defense. Why is Palestine wrong? Number two, they didn't care who they hit with those rockets. They, they didn't aim at, at the military of Israel or specific military targets. They just wanted to hurt and kill any Jews that live in Israel. Number three, they used innocent civilians, their own people, women and children as shields. They knew Israel would bomb them. They planned it this way. They acted like cowards. And because of that, many people died. It is like I'm running down the street uh, uh, where there's war. I've got an AK-47 under my one arm and I've got a child under the other as my shield. And so I'm running and I'm shooting with this AK-47. Random people, I don't care who I kill. And then when they shoot me and kill the child that I'm using as a shield, then I look, then, then they do, then I say that they are the bad guys. Then they look like the bad guys because now they've killed the child. You see the point. You see what terrorists are doing. Thirdly, fourthly, why they are wrong is because they use the violence instead of diplomacy. The Muslim world cannot negotiate. It forces itself on you. And if it can't overpower you, it kills you. And this was started as a political issue and Palestine turned it into a violent issue. If whatever happened in Jerusalem before this was the problem and caused the rockets, why didn't they resolve it in a civil diplomatic way? Why pull out rockets and start a war? The question on the table also is then why are the Palestinians so mad? And there's various reasons, but right at the top, I think it is because of Islam. You see, the Al-Aqsa Mosque is believed by the Muslims to be the third most holy place in Islam. This is the place to which Muhammad f flew with his horse, with his long journey in the night. For them, this is a holy, holy, holy place. And this is where the Israeli police came in during Ramadan while people were praying. So for them, it's highly offensive that that happened. Jews and Muslims clash primarily because of religion. Both religions have cultures attached to them. The Jews have the upper hand. In terms of history because Jerusalem is theirs <laughs> Jerusalem is theirs before Islam existed Israel belonged to the Jews before 1000 BC Israel belonged to the Jews God promised the land of Israel to Abraham Isaac and Jacob 
Islam only started in the sixth, seventh century AD. That's a thousand six hundred years later. So a thousand six hundred years before Islam existed, Jerusalem was the city of David and belonged to God's people. And what the, what the, the the Arabs want is they want Jerusalem. They want all the land west of the Jordan to themselves. But this city was a city that belonged to King David. And I believe that is why Israel is so powerful. I think God is with them. At 1.6 million nations, six nations, Muslim nations, marched against Israel. We're talking about countries like Syria, Egypt, Jordan, and they all lost to Israel. And so I've said a lot. And, you know, you've got an idea of the of what's happening. Uh, now you've got a bit of a glimpse if you haven't been watching the news. But so what? Why do a podcast about it? You know, this is not a political podcast. This is a podcast about worldviews. Let me just make two points. This conflict proves that Islam is not a religion of peace. It is going in, around in circles in the West, in Europe, that Islam is a religion of peace. It's just like every other religion, that all Muslims just want peace. That That is what is in the Quran. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it is not the case. Even Barack Obama claimed that Islam is a religion of peace. If you want to see proper stats on this, go check out a video by Ben Shapiro called The Myth of the Tiny Radical Muslim Minority. What these people are claiming, what Muslims are claiming and other people who are not Muslims are claiming, men like Ben Affleck, for example, they're saying, no, most Muslims are not violent. They don't want violence and they condemn what is happening uh, in, in um, the Gaza Strip. Now, if you go look at this video of Ben Shapiro, based on statistical research, about 680 million, 30,000 Muslims are considered radical. These are normal, ordinary Muslims. They don't necessarily go around killing people, but these Muslims believe that violence is justifiable according to Muslim ideologies. More than half of the world population, we can estimate, more than half of the world's Muslim population believe in radical, um, violent Muslim ideologies. That is intense. There are Muslims that are peaceful, but there isn't a Quran that is peaceful. The Quran calls for violence. The Quran calls for the death of the infidels. Muhammad himself, the person who founded the faith, killed people himself. If it wasn't true, why does Al-Qaeda, why does Hamas, why does Hezbollah, why does Al-Shabaab exist? Why are there terrorist organizations? If you go to those terrorist organizations, you ask them, why are you doing these things? They will say, it's because the Quran says so. Our God expects it. Why is there always war in the Middle East? Why is there always death, aggression and bloodshed where Islam resides? Because it is founded on bloodshed and killing. Muhammad was a military leader. No wonder his followers are too. Let me quote to you the words of Hamas itself. These are words that come from the mouth of Hamas through various public speeches and things like that. We are ready with our weapons. We are ready with our rockets. We are ready to blow up buses. We are ready to carry out suicide missions. All of you 7 million Palestinians abroad, enough of the warming up. You have Jews everywhere. We must attack every Jew on planet Earth. We must slaughter and kill them with Allah's help. You see where God comes in, Allah. Palestine is from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River, and we shall never, never, never recognize Israel. 
O Allah, destroy the Jews and their supporters. O Allah, destroy the Americans and their supporters. O Allah, count them one by one and kill them all without leaving a single one. That's the words of Hamas. And that is the group of people, the terrorist organization that the world now wants to protect. Just last week, Hamas gave instructions on how to kill Jews. People of Jerusalem, they're shouting, they're saying this to the people who live in the Israel state. And they're speaking specifically to the Palestinians who live there. People of Jerusalem, we want you to cut off the heads of the Jews with knives. With your hand, cut their artery here. And the man shows in the video, the leader shows in the video where they must be cut. In another speech they said, but from us here in Gaza, they will never, the, the Jews, they will never get anything but guns and fire. They will never get anything but martyrdom. They will never get anything but death and killing. That's from the mouth of Hamas. And we might think that this is far removed from Western society. Ladies and gentlemen, this hatred is prevalent in America too, among Muslims. I want to share with you an audio clip. It's just three minutes long. Of David Harowitz that was talking, I think it was at a university, and he basically uncovered a radical Muslim that lives in the United States who supports Hamas and what they're doing. Listen to this. Yes. Good evening. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for coming to campus tonight and uh, presenting your point of view. It's always valuable to have two sets of. Uh, views going on at the same time, um, very useful. Uh, my name is Jumana Imad Musa Ahmed al-Bahri, um, and I'm a student here at UCSD. Uh, I was reading your literature, I found that much more interesting than the talk, and um, I found some interesting things about the MSA, which is an organization that's very active on campus, and it is hosting uh, our annual Hitler Youth Week, you should come out to those events. Um, if you could clarify the connection between the MSA and Jihad terrorist networks, because yeah, last, last I checked, we had to do our own fundraising, and uh, we never get help from anyone. So if you could clarify the connection between UCSD's MSA, or if you don't have such information, if you could connect other MSAs on UCs, because the connection wasn't too clear in the pamphlet, just if you could clarify. Will you uh, condemn Hamas here and now? I'm sorry, what? Will you condemn Hamas? Would I condemn Hamas? As a terrorist organ, genocidal organ. Are you asking me to put myself on a cross? So you won't. I, I actually have had this experience many times. You didn't read the pamphlet because the pamphlet is chapter and verse. Uh, the main connection is that the MSA is part of the Muslim Brotherhood Network as revealed in the documents. I don't think you understood what anyway, I meant by that. I is, meant if I say something, I'm sure that I will be arrested for reasons of Homeland Security. So if you could please just answer my question. If you condemn Hamas, Homeland Security will if arrest you. If I support you. Hamas, because your question forces me to condemn Hamas, if I support Hamas, well, I look really bad. If you bad. don't condemn Hamas, obviously you support it. Case closed. <laughs> I have had this experience, uh, I give you, I had this experience at UC Santa Barbara where there were 50 members of the Muslim Students Association sitting right in the rows there. And throughout my hour talk, I kept asking them, will you condemn Hezbollah and Hamas? Uh, and none of them would.
And then when the question period came, the president of the Muslim Students Association was the first person to ask questions. And I said, you know, before you start, will you condemn Hezbollah? And he said, well, that question is too complicated for a yes-no answer. So I said, okay, I'll put it to you this way. I'm a Jew. The head of Hezbollah has said that he hopes that we will gather in Israel so he doesn't have to hunt us down globally. For it or against it? For it. Thank you. Thank you for coming and showing everybody what's, what's here. Now, I don't know if you understood what had just happened, but in a nutshell, she publicly just admitted that she is for the killing of Jews wherever in the world they may be found. In other words, if, if she wasn't in, in an environment where they were protected and she had a knife with her and this um, David Harowitz was standing in front of her, she would, she would think that it is right to kill him, to stab him in the name of Allah. That is not peaceful. That is not peaceful at all. Immediately somebody would say, yeah, but there is, there is violence in the Bible too. You can't just pin this on Islam. Oh, yes, there is. There's a lot of violence in the Old Testament. But Christians follow Jesus. And Jesus never killed a man. And neither his followers. In actual fact, Jesus was the one that was killed. And his followers, they were killed as well. By the same spirit that leads Hamas currently. They never killed anyone. When last have you heard about a Christian who put on a suicide vest to kill someone else and then shouted, I do this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The gospel doesn't justify murder and killing and never calls for it. That's enough negative things. But I want to share with you something powerful to close off. There is something special about Israel. And I believe that it is the creator of the universe. Some scholars believe God has and will forever have a special place for the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. Israel was the promised land of Canaan, promised to the Jews before Islam even existed. It is this small nation, a little nothing, that conquered Egypt and that turned Sennacherib of Assyria around in his tracks. It is this little, little nation that changed the world forever, that hosted the Son of God, that hosted God in flesh on earth. And still today, there is some special protection from God on Israel. In the heart of the Middle East, surrounded by Muslim nations, she stands her ground in confidence, the most hated nation by Muslims. And I wonder why. I wonder why the Muslims want that land so badly, why they hate the people so badly. What if, what if behind all of this warfare is the spirit of Satan that despises the power of God and what Jesus did on the cross in that piece of land? Now I found the speech given by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu from 2019. It was sent to me over WhatsApp and I'm not sure if he spoke this but then I went and googled it and I found various websites recording this as well. So I thought about reading it to you in conclusion. This is what the president, the prime minister of Israel said in a speech in 2019. Now, if you're a Christian and if you're a Jew, this will sound great. And if you're an atheist, this might get you thinking because history records to us an interesting story of how this small nation against all odds has become so powerful. It's almost miraculous. Maybe that is even evidence for Jesus 
for the God of Jesus, the God of the land of Israel, the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe this is evidence for his existence. And this is what he said in that speech. Only 70 years ago, the Jews were taken to slaughter like sheep. He's talking about the Holocaust. 60 years ago, no country, no army. Seven Arab countries declared war on the small Jewish state. Only a few hours after its creation. We were 650,000 Jews against the many millions in the Arab world. There was no strong IDF, Israel Defense Force. No powerful air force to save us, but only brave Jewish people with nowhere else to go. Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, Egypt, Libya, Saudi Arabia all attacked at the same time. The country that the United Nations gave us was 65% desert. 35 years ago, we fought the three most powerful armies in the Middle East and we swept them in six days. We fought against various coalitions of Arab countries which had modern armies and many Soviet weapons and we have always beaten them. Today, we have a state, an army, a powerful air force, a state-of-the-art economy with exports worth billions of dollars, Intel, Microsoft, IBM and many high-tech companies develop cutting-edge products in Israel. Our doctors receive awards for medical research. We make the desert bloom and sell oranges, flowers and vegetables all over the world. Israel has sent its own satellites into space. Three satellites at the same time. We are proud to be at the same rank as the United States with its 360 million inhabitants, Russia with its 200 million inhabitants, China with its 1.3 billion inhabitants, Europeans, France, Great, Great Britain, Germany with 350 million inhabitants, the only countries in the world to send objects into space and say that only 60 years ago we were led ashamed and hopeless to slaughter. We have experienced the smoking ruins of Europe. We have won our wars here in Israel with less than nothing. We built our little empire from nothing. Who's Hamas to scare me, to terrify me? You make me laugh. Passover was celebrated. Let's not forget what Passover is. We survived Pharaoh. We survived the Greeks. We survived the Romans. We survived the Inquisition in Spain. We have the programs in Russia. We survived Hitler. We survived the Germans. We survived the Holocaust. We survived the armies of seven Arab countries. We survived Saddam Hussein. We will survive the enemies present. Think of any time in human history. Think about it. For us, the Jewish people, the situation has never been better than let's face the world. Let us remember, all nations, empires or cultures who once tried to destroy us no longer exist today. While we still live, Egypt, Babylon, the Greeks, Alexander of Macedonia, the Romans. Does anybody still speak Latin these days? The Third Reich. And look at us, the slaves of Egypt, the people of Moses, the nation of the Bible. We are still here. And Hebrew is still the official language of the state of Israel today. From the time of the Bible and now, Arabs don't know yet, but they will learn that there is a God. As long as we keep our identity, we are forever. So forgive us for not worrying, not to cry, not to be afraid. Things are fine here. They could certainly get better. However, don't believe the media. They don't tell you a lot of good things about Israel. Celebrations continue to take place in Israel. People continue to live, people keep coming out, people continue to see friends. Some claim our morale is low. So what? Only because we mourn our deaths, 
while our enemies rejoice in the bloodshed and war. That is why we will win in the end. The God of Israel created the heavens and the earth. The guardian of Israel never slumbers or sleep. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob.